0: Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, this is Season 5, and it is Episode 31 of the Brain Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. Signature CC Classic, 12-year-old whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. And... Ray for a long time and it's not abnormal that you get to almost the midpoint of the regular season and yeah you have dribs and grabs of storylines you've got teams with slow starts but seldom do you have significant trades or mega signings and it just happens that we have a couple of those so we're going to bring in jp barry from CAA hockey who's navigated through countless numbers of these big level negotiations, right? And we're talking about William Nylander's extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday. Um, But he'll kind of help us understand how the player agent and the team finally get together in, you know, the David Pasternak eight-year, $90 million extension in Boston last March, and now William Nylander, eight-year, $92 million with the Toronto Maple Leafs because I don't know about you. I I'm intrigued. Like, how do you start that? And then what does the middle look like? And then we know what the end looks like. But
1: you've well, got to be the, a pretty the,
0: patient guy to work through that.
1: Yeah, I think so. And and I'm also curious. So the second that deal gets announced, which other agents are licking their lips to get their <laughs> clients in? Like, because that becomes a new floorboard for yeah, um, for the next deal. It's a fascinating look inside i guess and so look forward to talking to jp
0: all right well we'll do that coming up here in the Rain Drags podcast first headlines brought to you uh, brought to us by tim hortons for 60 years tim's has been supporting and loving hockey at both the community and pro levels from partners like Sidney crosby marie philippe Poulin, sarah nurse and nathan mckinnon to initiatives like the tim bits hockey program with over one hundred thousand participants across the country tims is proud to be part of growing the game in canada okay uh let's start with a rather large hockey transaction the trade between the anaheim ducks and the philadelphia flyers <laughs> you know i'd heard rumblings about the discontent of cutter Goche, fifth overall draft pick of the philadelphia flyers in uh, was it 2022 i guess You know, he just, for whatever reason, didn't see Philly as a fit, didn't want to sign, wasn't even really willing to talk to Danny Breer and the Philadelphia Flyers. So Philly sends a Boston College forward to the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for 21-year-old defenseman Jamie Drysdale, who was drafted sixth overall in 2020 and a second-round pick in 2025. Ray, we don't often see players of this stature now, we don't know what they're going to be yet as NHL players. Players of this stature traded in a transaction like this.
1: Well, I, I, the uniqueness, of course, is that Goche didn't want to go to Philadelphia. And yeah. there gets to be a point where, you know, Danny Briere and the Flyers and Keith Jones and they, they're in a dead end. And they're like, OK, well, the, they're not even returning calls, which I find rather, well... Almost amateurish. Mm-hmm. If that's indeed the story, that why wouldn't you at least turn a, return a call and say, "Yeah, guess what? I'm not not coming." I mean, Breer and Jones flew over to Sweden to try and talk to him and didn't get a chance to talk to him. It's a long way to go for, yeah. you know, for a trip to IKEA, and <laughs> and they get nothing out of it. So now they've got to pivot and they've got to make this deal. And uh, Goche is a is a really highly touted player. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like he's a significant asset for Anaheim to acquire and for Philly to trade. So that's going to bring back plenty. And um, you know, Drysdale's coming off a shoulder surgery. I'd heard early in the year, uh, some kind of lower body deal and, but they get a second round pick, but uh, as well, but the real, you know, the real uh, chip for Philly is Drysdale. And um, aside from this deal too, you know, the next part of it is, They've got a couple of free agent defensemen in Philadelphia in uh, yeah. Sean Walker and uh, Nick Seeler. And mm-hmm. certainly that would give them runway to move one of those guys if they, or both if they want to because you've got Drysdale in now. Mm-hmm. And, um, pretty interesting, though, like a, a kid just saying, nope, not for me. And that pushes the envelope to a point where they got to do something.
0: Uh, John Tortorella was asked post-game last night about this trade and not unusual for torts to display a level of disdain. And, you know, it's not personal with Cutter Goche not wanting to sign or stay in Philadelphia, or it, it it really shouldn't be. I mean, they've used him as an asset or a commodity to bring a real good piece in Jamie Drysdale back. But here was the response from John Tortorella after the game In being questioned on Cutter Goche,
1: then we don't want you. I believe you've met Cutter Goche before. Were you surprised that he. I don't know Cutter from a hole in a wall, you know? So, and I'm not too interested in talking about him. I'd rather talk about Jamie. He's the guy that's coming here. (laughs) Isn't that vintage torts right there, right? It, It is. And the fact of the matter is, the players in the Flyers room don't. No, Cutter Goche. They, quite frankly, they don't care about him, and his wants are, or doesn't want, I guess, in this case, because they're worried about their team. They're worried about, oh, he doesn't want to come. They worry about it to that level, but they they don't know him. Mm -hmm. So now they're just they're worried about how soon can Drysdale get here? When can he get in the lineup? We're in third place in the Metro. Like, when we drafted Danny Heatley and then Ilya Kovalchuk in Atlanta, um, I mean, those are premium players. Yeah. yeah. We were really excited as a team because we knew that, oh, my God, these guys are going to make us way better. But if one of them would have said, I don't want to come, and they would have traded them, we would have said, well, screw him. Like, I can't worry about him. I don't even know the guy. never met him. Like, why would you care? And so that's probably what's going on in Philly today and they're trying to figure out how quickly they can get Drysdale to wherever their next game is.
0: Not that it matters, but of all the organizations. You know, Cutter Gauthier is going to play in the NHL. Um, so his first trip back to Philly with Anaheim, man, is he going to hear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe he's the personality and has the swagger <laughs> that he's going to feed off that. He's going to enjoy that hostile environment.
1: Well, he's going to hear it, whether he wants to or not, and and again, from his perspective, he can't he can't care about it. It's going to be yeah. an uncomfortable night, and that's the way it'll go. But on the Anaheim side, so Pat Verbeek is, you know, is he's digging into that team, yes. and uh, yeah. in Anaheim, and they have the time to wait for Goche to come out of school and to, you know, to get his feet under him at the pro level. Um, there's lots of lots of chitter chatter about some other guys in Anaheim whether they're going to be there for the long haul or not and um, yeah I think it's pretty clear Verbeek has got a, an image of how he wants that team to grow up and right. that's what he's going to chase
0: okay well let's let's just focus on that for a moment because you just tweaked something um, this isn't reporting this is just widespread speculation because I have had a couple of teams suggest that Trevor Zegers could be in play you know, and it makes sense probably more to you than it does to me because you know Pat Verbeek, mm. right? And and like most general managers, most coaches, he would have a style, a type of play that he feels you have to commit to to have any level right. of success longer term. Um, so if you're willing to comment on the speculation that perhaps at some point in the near future Trevor Ziegler is in play, does it make sense to you or... It makes no sense given the high level of talent this kid has offensively.
1: No, it makes sense to me because I go back to the summer when camp started and Ziegris wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so there is the, you know, the first little bump in the shins for Verbeek and Ziegris as they, you know, they couldn't come to an agreement on a contract. He gets in there and look, Ziegris is, Zegers is not everybody's cup of joe, right? Like he's, He's creative. He's, um, he's high risk, if you will. Um, I think some of that'll come out of his game, uh, a little bit as he, you know, as he gets a little older and he'll figure out what works and doesn't work. Like, I just don't buy like why you don't like a player. Cause and I'm not, I, I'm just saying in general, why people yeah. don't like Trevor Zegris because he does a Michigan move or because he passes the puck over the back of the net. Like what the hell's the difference? If I'm standing (laughs) behind the net and there's a guy open in front of the net, but the net's in the way and I'm smart enough to flip it over the net. Why can't I do that? So I hear, well, it's a risky play. You could, you could miss that pass. Do you know how many passes from below the goal line (laughs) to the front of the net get screwed up? Are you kidding me? Like if he works if he um, is committed to getting better and growing his game, what the hell does it matter if he plays the game in a way I'm not familiar with? Yeah. I I, I just don't, I don't get it. I really don't. And I don't know Trevor other than to say hi to him, but um, man, I, if the guy can play, the guy can play, but he might not be Anaheim's Anaheim style. And then they'll move him along and get someone that's closer to their style. And, Whoever gets Zegras is going to say, yeah, we're really excited to get this creative player.
0: All right, the other big story on Monday was the extension announcement of William Nylander with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eight years, $92 million. So CA hockey agent J.P. Barry, who isn't Nylander's representative, by the way, but he's worked through a number of these deals. Recently, David Pasternak, he'll soon start on Patterson and uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Now, we know that Willie is a star in the National Hockey League, Ray. He was going to get paid. And just to clear things up a little bit, his ask in the offseason was $11 million. The Toronto Maple Leafs weren't willing to go to $11 million at that point. So, yes, they've had to overspend here. Um, but that's because you've got a player who's playing, you know, to the level of being a borderline superstar in the National Hockey League. So is the bigger challenge for Brad Treliving as GM managing next season and then maybe the year after that, because with Nylander, wasn't he more or less boxed
1: into what this deal was going to look like? I just, they, they had no, the Leafs had no leverage whatsoever. And, and the way that you know that is because on every point in the deal, the checked box goes to Nylander. Salary, yeah. Nylander. Term, Nylander. No trade, Nylander. Like win, 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 win. Like, <laughs> you're, you're. There's plenty of people that I see that are they're saying, well, they should have let him walk. Are you? Please. You're, so you're going to let him walk and then spend the next ten years looking for William Nylander? Yeah. The, yeah. He's young. He is in the most productive time of his year. I don't think he's going to be a 115 point guy for the next five years. I don't. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a premium player like a premium player, and you're going to have to pay for it. So the trick is, so next year, you've you've got a lot of money tied up in, in the four guys. Yeah. Um, can you move off of one of those deals? Maybe, maybe not. Then you get to Marner's unrestricted free agent year. Then you got a really big decision to make. But what's apparent is letting these guys walk to their free agent year is mm-hmm. not a good strategy, no, be- because you lose. At least in my opinion, you lose at least one of the one of the levers of that you might be able to pull as a team. Yeah.
0: And and really, now we're going to see the fingerprints of Brad Treloving on the Maple Leafs, right? He inherited okay. the contract extensions of Matthews and wow. William Nylander. Not a lot of, of of trade capital. You know, he's got his first round pick. He's got Easton Cowan. He's got Fraser Minton. But Minton and Cowan may have to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs next year on entry-level contracts. <laughs> you know, you're know, you going to have to go with Joe Wool and cheaper goaltending um, just
1: to comply with the, the but, salary but if, cap. Uh, see, I, I think the goaltending becomes less of an issue the tighter you get to the cap. And the reason I think that is because you've got to allocate your dollars to the guys that skate in front of the goalie every night you need to build right. a better defense you need to build some yeah. depth at forward and you only have so many dollars to do it mm-hmm. and that's if if you have really great players high performing high production players you're going to get boxed in yeah like like you are by the way what do you think Elias Patterson and JP Barry and Leon Dreisaitl, and I don't know who represents ah. him. What do you think they were Man, thinking yesterday? Oh, I mean, it's another,
0: it's yeah. another marker. Of course. Yeah, and, and
1: so, like, the, the Leafs, because they take up so much air and because the deal is just fresh from yesterday, everybody's trying to, you know, figure this out 14 ways from Tuesday. But there's a lot of teams that just went, oh, damn. What are we going <laughs> to yeah. do? Because it, it's, it's going to happen to them, too. For sure. Oh, by the sure. way, Pedersen threw four points up last night.
0: Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Madison
1: Square, two and two. Canucks go in and win, and he was brilliant he's gonna He's going to be a bigger number than Nylander. Yeah, uh,
0: Eight teams right with 50 or more points as we approach the midpoint of the NHL regular season. Mm-hmm. At the top of the league, we see the Winnipeg Jets, who have won six in a row to overtake first place overall in the National Hockey League. Um is it fair to call it a surprise, and if it is fair to call the Winnipeg Jets atop the NHL as a surprise, what's most surprising about how well they've played to this point of the year?
1: Well, I, I, think, the, I think the most surprising part of it for me was, or is, coming from where they were early in the summer to where they are now, it, it seemed like they were teetering on, oh boy, they're going to have to rebuild the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. which nobody ever really wants to do. But just go back, they, you know, they, they let Wheeler go. They trade Dubois in that huge trade with L.A., which has turned out to be this far a grand slam for them. They get Shifley and Hellebuck signed. Rick Bonus comes back after a, a, a less than smooth departure. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the playoffs last year when he went at the team pretty hard. And yet they've they they play like an elite team. Mm-hmm. And and they're putting this streak together without Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor's a hell of a player. Yeah. Like they're they I think they are now well they are at twenty nine straight games under three goals against. Twenty-nine yeah. straight. Everybody mm-hmm. else in the league has given up four and five goals all over the place. And they just don't. Yeah. Uh, they're, and they're, they're kind of like big. And the players they got from LA kind of fit that sort of style. And they're heavy and they're hard to play against. And they can score. I mean, they're, yeah. they're legit. They're, mm-hmm. this isn't a, oh, gee, a two month run in the middle of the season. This is a legit team.
0: Yeah. And when Kyle Connor comes back, uh, and he's on that point from the point of injury with the knee sprain six to eight weeks. Um, But they they feel like that'll almost seem like a big trade Uh, because what, you know, he played like three, maybe four games with Gabe Velarde. And they they saw a little (laughs) bit of chemistry there. So they're salivating at the idea of those two guys, knock on wood, being healthy and getting some time together and seeing how that works out. So maybe the best is yet to come in Winnipeg.
1: Well, coming from where they did this summer, Dregs, I I think, it's his, I think it's a remarkable story. And yeah. when you're talking about, here we are at the, I guess we're just about the midway point across the league. But mm-hmm. Rick Tockett, Rick Bonus, they, they have to be at the very top of coach of the year Agreed. midseason candidates. I mean, the, yeah. the two of them have done remarkable jobs.
0: So let's have a bit of fun here and look at, you know, the, the Canadian group of four. So Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, largely all playing well, right? I mean, Edmonton had the slower start. You know, Toronto had a somewhat mild setback, but they seem to be back on track. Which of those four do you think right now is the strongest Stanley Cup contender?
1: I have great faith in the Edmonton Oilers. I picked them at the start of the year. They've so won hundred. They've won a hundred in a row to get to a playoff spot here. So they're in Chicago tonight. Unless they forget their skates, this is going to be eight wins in a row for them tonight. You should see my stats sh- or my prep <laughs> sheet for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. It looks like my grandson did it. I got names <laughs> crossed out all over the plates and I don't even know what number half, what number's Rem Picklet wearing today? Ooh. I got no
0: idea. I got to figure
1: <laughs> that one out. But it just, like, so this will be two winning streaks of eight in a row this year. The last time that was done in a year was 84, 85 mm-hmm. by a particular team. The, the play um, of Stu Skinner and Cal Pickard, for that matter, has allowed Edmonton some more time to buy cap space because they don't need another goalie right now. Right, They just don't. Pickard's done a really nice job. He's got a 9.04 save percentage. He's He's been fine. Skinner's been terrific. Um, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and uh, Zach Hyman are off the charts. They're the best line in the league right now. And I just... They'll have room to add a piece or two. I would say Edmonton. I would say Winnipeg. I like them. I cannot. I don't, I don't. I always hesitate when I get to Vancouver because I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, like I'm so biased with with Cami working in management. Yeah, but, but they're
0: legit. We can all
1: see that. But but I I keep watching and I'm like, yeah, but they win again and they win in a different way all the time. Yeah, and so I. I think Vancouver's a bigger problem than might be thought of around the league. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, so I, I guess I'm doing a really good job of not answering your question. <laughs> um, but I've been really impressed with how the Leafs are winning. Mm. I, I really have been. Like Marty Jones has been terrific in goal, but he hasn't had to be over-the-top spectacular, 40 saves and all that stuff. And yep. that means the team in front of him is doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think Toronto's built for the long haul. I just, something about it just doesn't <sighs> quite feel right to yeah. me. And I, I, the, I have the other three teams in front of them for sure. Okay. For, like for, for me anyway, at, yeah. th- at this point, where are we at? Game 41 for most yeah. of the teams. That's, that's kind of where I'm at today.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and I mean, look, I mean, the West is loaded with good, high-quality teams. You know, I think of, of course, Vegas. I think of Dallas. I think of Colorado. Go down the list. You know, but I can envision the Toronto Maple Leafs, say, playing the Florida Panthers in the first mm. round. And if you're paying attention to what Florida is doing, uh, that could end poorly for oh, the that's Maple a, Leafs, that's right? That's
1: seven in a row for the Panthers again.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, like, like when you when you go down here, so – Vegas has dropped, right? They uh, I just looked. They got three wins in their last 10 games. Yeah. And it's been a lousy stretch for them. Yet nobody should even consider thinking they're not a great team. Agreed. It's just a lousy stretch in the middle of the season. Yeah. And they knew they were going to hit it, right? At some yeah. They're going to get but Aiden they- Hill back here too, which will help them yeah. out. Yeah. It gives them that goalie duel that they liked. But, um, man, there's... There is no easy road, man. Everybody wants the definitive answer. Who's the best team? Who's going to win this? And who's going to win the division? And there's just no road that's easy.
0: You're right, my friend. Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons.
1: For 60 years, we've been beside you, loving hockey. Through the highs, the lows, and everything in between. The game's come a long way. And together, we can take it further.
0: Our interviews on Dregs are brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC 15 Year Old Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club, with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. All right, we're now joined on the Dregs Hockey Podcast by JP Barry of CAA Hockey, and uh, JP, you are no stranger when it comes to uh, putting together, negotiating these mega type of contracts and The William Nylander contract, who, by the way, you're not the agent for Nylander, so we bring you in on the podcast just to provide a little context as to how these deals come together. But you did navigate through the David Pasternak extension last March, eight years, $90 million. So take us through the cadence, I mean, the back and forth between yourself and management as you gently try and nudge the process along from beginning to end
2: yeah we all know in the salary cap era now it's really difficult especially these larger contracts and you know it all starts with where's the market you know where's the market now and where is it going and what are the what are the main comps and you know at the beginning of that negotiation I mean we had a pretty big you know we had comps at the very high end in the twelve million dollar range and we had comps in the seven to eight million dollar range and like any team they're gonna try and push towards, you know, is there anything we can grab onto in the, in the bottom range and, and uh, we're going to find the key ones. And, and with patience, as we know, like more comparables come forward and, and directly impact the situation. I think on Pasternak McKinnon had some impact on it of, of a newer deal. And, um, you know, we, and deadlines matter. So we got right down to, to the trade deadline or close to it or within a month of it and, it you know it was a long negotiation. It was six to eight months. When when you're dealing with David
1: Posternock as opposed to some other client, um, what are guys' appetites for being patient? Like, as soon as you said that word, <laughs> I went, "Oh boy," because I I'm assuming it's all over the board.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it depends on the player and. and, and you know, but oftentimes players have a pretty good idea of, like, who at least the, the three or four players they really feel strongly about that they're they're close to. If they're wrong, it's our job to tell them they're wrong because they can be wrong. Like, some guys have too much expectation. But, you know, once once we kind of delve in and then obviously we have to project. Like, we have to see what's the cap next summer. Like, the team wants to negotiate on last year's cap. And, you know, sometimes waiting, just by waiting alone, I think for Neilander, the fact that the jump was... You know, going to be four million instead of one million, which it was in our case. Then that helps create some momentum, and obviously, just like Pasternak, the lenders had a terrific season. So, I mean, when your client goes into a a contract season and basically is leading the league in many categories and playing like that, it sure makes the agent look good. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> well, when you when you start talking though, is it um, what's the first domino to attack? Is it term? Is it out of the yeah. ballpark a dollar.
2: It's term. like which is first. You got to know Tim, like these guys, especially these younger players. You need to know what the term is going to be because you know, especially when we're dealing with those players in their early twenties. Like how much yeah. free agency are you giving up, and how long a uh, commitment is this? So the term is always first. I mean, with these, you know, when a players 27, 28, I think we're all going to know they're going to want eight years uh, for the most part. Like they've earned their right to get there, unless they want to, unless they they see. The cap is going to go up a lot. I mean, if the cap, you know, the last several years it's not, but if, if you can start making those cap projections, then yes, you can go two, three years, three years, but generally a forward who's 27 or 28, and Ray, you were there, mm-hmm. you're a little bit worried about declining performance, and so is the team. Sure. So mm-hmm. I think, uh, eight years becomes a little easier, easier to do at that age when they're approaching their late twenties. The one,
1: uh... One thing that kind of grabbed me by surprise, of course, not in it anymore in the same way as when negotiating a my own contract is when Matthews went to five years and uh, the realization that it's not just about eight years when you're at a certain age and a certain stature mm-hmm. and some of the clients you have, JP, a shorter deal might very well be the, the best deal for that guy.
2: Yeah. You have to talk to each player. I mean, that was, that was a discussion with Pasternak also. He, He's, you know, he thought about five, six years and then, you know, he leaned towards eight after we reviewed everything. And I think Matthews, you know, again, feels strongly about himself. I think that deal, I have a feeling that was a good number for the team and the player. Like sometimes they they both get together and say, you know, I think five years for Toronto, they're probably thinking they got to do something in the next five years or their cap has to, has to change. Um, I think Matthews was thinking the same way. So I think if you get both sides thinking that a five-year deal makes more sense than that. That can happen
0: yeah i mean obviously uh term and the annual average salary are critical elements to to any deal i mean that's the the end game when you get there and you have an agreement agreement and then you've got the no trades the no moves and the 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 heavy sal- uh signing bonus structure and and whatnot but we're talking more and more gp about percentages now yeah. cap percentages yeah. Um, so if we use Nylander as an example, his percentage of 87.7, which is the salary cap next season, is 13.11% of the Maple Leafs' salary cap. Why does that matter?
2: You know, it started not long after the cap. I mean, we we started presenting this argument back in the day with Chicago with, uh, with Tays and Kane and, and some others, and it became clear to us that the teams were were actually using this and they were denying it they were trying they did not want to get into a cap percentage type argument and it took us but we didn't stop like our presentations all broke it down that way and and obviously you know the cap percentage is going to start at the number you just talked about Darren but it's going to you know if the cap moves forward then it's going to become even more of an ability for the team to to absorb that number so we had a lot of resistance on this cap percentage analysis rather than using the actual contracts. But when you're looking at contracts from two and three different years with two and three different cap years, you can't compare an eight to an eight, you know, if the right. cap is different. So obviously mathematically the percentage makes more sense from a negotiation standpoint. And these days the teams hmm. don't really blink. They They know they use it. And they know we're not going <laughs> to stop using it, so it's, it's relevant. It's relevant. And, and that way you can compare a contract that's five years old to a contract now, mm-hmm. whereas you can't do that on the salary. Um, I'm, I I just was thinking
1: about, so the, the contract's rolling along, you're starting to negotiate, you get some headway. There must be a few times in a deal like like Posternox, of course, because it, I'll use this as an example, is where you have to hang up the phone and go, and kind of check frustration. I, I assume in every big deal, there's gotta be moments like that. How do you regroup and find a new avenue to, to re-engage?
2: I mean, I think everybody's different. Like our style is, you know, and my particular style is I try not to make a negotiation personal ever. Um, I never have. It's not something I, I just, I mean, obviously people will get frustrated. I don't take it the wrong way. I don't think they take, it from me the wrong way so I mean I we did have a breakdown in Pasternak around Christmas I mean I think the team was dead set on having a contract somewhere around 10 maximum and when it became clear that we weren't going to take 10 there was a breakdown and and it took um it took a few weeks and it took I had to travel to Boston and and see everyone and sort of everyone had to talk talk it out and get through it and so yeah there was this eventually need for a face-to-face meeting like it's interesting back five six years ago we all these big meetings were face-to-face but now there's a lot being done Mm. um whether it's zooms whether it's email so at the end of the day when things aren't going well and maybe an owner needs to get involved and (laughs) and needs to to express himself or or like all the management needs to be in one rooms to talk about what happened a face-to-face meeting is sometimes the only way for to break through
1: well, at the, at the end of the day, there's still 100% in the cap, right? So if William Nylander's got 13.1 and Tavares has this and Marner and Matthews have that, uh, eventually you run out of percentages. So you've got one of those other players, anybody. Just, yeah. you know, Joe, you know, Joe Schlabotnik is a good friend. Donnie Taylor always uses, a guy that doesn't exist. What do you do with those guys? What, what do you – like, because they want what they earn. Yet sometimes yeah, their, their percentages yeah. just aren't there, JP. How do you how do you yeah. navigate through those guys?
2: It's a problem because I mean I think it comes down to every team's philosophy too. Like I think we we all know here that you really can't win in hockey without I think ten to twelve core players eventually. Like everyone can talk about the core four, the six, but it's not like basketball. Like you do need a certain number of players, like like the football, I think, to win. And the hard part about this cap is that the squeeze is on and it's it's hitting those and now that we have younger players getting very large contracts Mm -hmm. the squeeze is hitting that middle tier player who's a very good player and if they're not quite needed in that system if they are then they they can get a long-term deal and they can work it out in a lower number but a lot of them are the victims of the squeeze like we're going to bring a young player in and i know he's not as good but he's going to take that role because of the number and the more these kind of contracts stack up, I think we all know that where the squeeze is. The squeeze is going to happen to the hmm. to the veteran on, at usual, unfortunately, forward. I see more than anything, and then the you know the, the six, seven, eight defensemen. Um, so we're seeing this, and it's that's what's going to happen in Toronto. I mean, they're going to have to fill that lineup with, and that's I think has been the challenge. Can Toronto win? Can they fill the lineup with the right kind of players at that level? What do you what do you think when you're
1: sitting there and you're watching the other sports and other news and you see a deal like Shohei Ohtani roll across the ticker like what like we can't even fathom that can you even imagine yeah, the, coming up with a percentage of deferred money that looks like
2: that? That's our our agency was involved and uh, I know the agent really well and uh, he went For under easy. He went underground a few months ago, so I still haven't had, had a chance to talk to him about how that all played out and uh, especially I'm extremely curious about the deferred money and obviously, there's a massive taxation issue as soon as I saw it, there's some kind of international taxation reason for Otani, um, you know to do that and obviously he's I heard he's got you know a lot of money coming in on on marketing revenue also which you know, we don't have that level of marketing revenue in hockey, but yeah, I mean, no, you know, Ray, I mean, there's, you know, people in our sport, other, there's other agents that, that constantly complain about the cap. I mean, I, I don't love it. We have, to, we have to deal with it. It's there. And I, the yeah. reality, the reality is that, you know, other than a labor negotiation, yes, that could take place and that can change things. But our cap, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like the, the player salary cap of, You know, our top teams is still not where the Detroit Red Wings were uh, when they stacked that team. So I think we all remember that was probably the peak level of the salary cap was that Red Wing team that um, we can see what it was. I mean, it had, what, 12 Hall of Famers on it. Uh, Mm. But that's the path we're on right now. And I think, you know, we have to, but we also have, you know, we also have something really interesting. We have a 20 percent, like we have a percent number in our CBA. It's 20 percent. And it's in the CBA. So the percentage of the cap has been laid out as an, a part of the CBA is the maximum that a player can take or in a deal. And no hockey player has tried to push that. And I think the reason why is they all want to win. Um, up to now, these players realize that at where the cap is right now at 20%, you can't really win. So, Do you think we'll see it, I though? Do. I mean, you've said that. No, you do? I mean, it's going to happen. It's... It, it, you know, it's 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 a number. It's a benchmark. Like, you know, Neilander just you know, even though you mentioned the percentage is less than Pasternak, the number is higher. Yeah. So every player that moves forward, yeah. like the Pasternak deal is now old. It's the Nylander deal, right? Yeah. So gee, know, who, are talk- who are we talking? But twenty percent is a forced tree. Who isn't are we it? talking
1: about? Who could that be? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, we should bring Ryan Rashog in this and uh, get his view on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, are we talking about McDavid and Dreis? I don't know. No, no, okay. No, Of
0: course yeah, not. <laughs> but my point is, you're almost forcing a trade at that point, though, aren't you? Just based oh, on, yeah. again, on the
2: construct of what an NHL team yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, right now, there's just very few teams. You know, The only team that's going to actually step up and be able to, to lure a, a player with 20% is going to be a bottom market team. Yeah. It's not going to be a top market team. It's going to be someone at the bottom that – Decides they're going to have to change their franchise for whatever reason and is going to bring in a player to do that. That's that's yeah. the only scenario I see is someone right now who's at the bottom. Right. Well, your
0: guy could be next man up in Patterson with the Vancouver Canucks. And, I, you know, you're probably not going to share a whole lot, but you said something earlier Um you know where you would meet with your client, and you'd say, "Okay, well, here are your term options. Here's what I'm looking at. Here are your comps." Right? You you would do that with the player first before engaging with Canucks management or management period. And has that process started for you, on P Yeah, it
2: started. We have more to do. I mean, he's he really wanted to. You know, he this guy really wanted to focus on playing. He's not an unrestricted yeah. free agent like Neilander was like Pasternak was, he, there is another year there. I know people in Vancouver don't want to hear that. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. could feasibly do a one year contract or do an arbitration case for one year and no one wants that, but, uh, mm-hmm. he's, you know, so, you know, I think patience. obviously sometimes we are being patient. I mean, there's no doubt people have pointed that out. Are we being over patient? but, um, You know, we're getting to the point now where we'll have to sit down. I think he's had a great season. I think he's done everything that he wanted, but he wants this team to win too. So he doesn't like the distraction. So we have to balance whether or not we think engaging is a distraction or not. And a lot of that comes down to what the client wants. Um, You know, could this all be done now quietly or can, can we wait and do all of it in June or, you know, May and June? So that's what we have to talk about.
0: All right, hmm. fascinating stuff, Ray. Don't you wish the dollars were there back uh, in your day when you could have these conversations <laughs> with high-profile agents like JP Barry or Steve Bartlett?
1: Hey, J- your JP, JP, I got to tell you, time. every time somebody, um, I'll call him a mid-range <laughs> player, signs for four million bucks, Eric Brewer sends me a text, and he says, "Hey, don't you wish you were playing today? How many sheets would you make?" <laughs> since uh, every time, time. it wasn't the same thing when the
2: guys in the you know in the 90s started doing deals the guys in the 70s were like no, oh yeah, yeah
1: for yeah. sure for sure and i'm like oh it would be nice all One right them. J- well, jp thanks for all your time the, i appreciate it man thank you guys anytime
0: yeah all the best in your travels you well right jp barry our guest this week on the rain drakes hockey podcast and um I mean, these guys are highly intelligent human beings. I appreciate that. What I have a higher appreciation for is the level of patience. You and I aren't the most patient human beings, especially when it comes to the business side of things. Maybe you were as a player. I don't know. No. But to go through the chess game that you have to go through, and then manage your your client on top of that. Now we focused on Elander and Plasternak, who are very similar in personality, really? right? You know, hey, you're right. my agent. Go work through all of it, and let me know when you you need me to weigh in. And normally that's that's at the beginning, and then near the end. But what a process it has become now with these crazy deals with signing bonus and no moves and no trades and everything that goes into
1: it. Yeah. The, uh, one part you could think, you know, uh, why would it be stressful because you're going to make nine or 10 million or whatever it's going to be. And you're going to be fine yet. It's your life and it, and it does become stressful. Sure. I wouldn't, I, this is where every player is a little different. I wouldn't be comfortable saying, okay, let's talk about it in June. It, like if I'm coming into the last year of my contract, I want to do it. I want to yeah. finish it. And maybe I lack the self-confidence to, to go ahead and, you know, to do what Nylander did or what Pedersen is doing right now. You know, I certainly wasn't the players that they were, but, um, you know, I, I probably could have been more patient a couple of times. Like, as I look back at it, yeah. but that's easy to say from here, not while you're in it. And so that's where the agent is, you know, he's got to take stock of what his player is. He's, he's got to understand what the player's appetite is for the risk involved. Cause some guys yeah. have it and some guys don't. I didn't. And my agent was Steve Bartlett and he knew it. Yeah. And there were a lot of times I know he didn't, really listened to what I had to say. Cause he knew that I was impatient, mm. <laughs> you know, like, and he just, he kind of calmed the water a little bit. And again, he had to know, he had to know what I didn't. Mm. And, and for me, he was, you know, he was a fantastic agent and was for a lot of people. Um, and JP has to navigate that with each client because they're all different.
0: Yeah. Interesting part of the business. And there are some big deals coming down the path, right? Um, you know, we've talked about the Leafs earlier in the podcast. You've mm-hmm. got Tavares, you've got Marner coming. Uh, the game you're doing tonight, the Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks, of course you have Dreisaitl, you know, going into the final year of his deal next year. And then McDavid is right after that. So it uh, it definitely feels like as long as Ray and Dregs is around, we're probably going to have to have the odd agent on occasion just to make sure we can understand some of the the structures of these mammoth contracts.
1: Well, there's going to be, there's going to be no shortage of them. And of of course the complication becomes that you got to fit it into the cap. And I don't love the cap. I wish there was a mechanism to draw out a franchise player.
0: Yeah. You've talked about that you know,
1: just to give a little more flexibility. I don't want it to be like baseball where you've got eight teams that can win and the other 24 are running around on the grass all summer. Like that's no good either. And so, um, I would like to see a little more flexibility in it, but that's, that's for the next CBA.
0: What's stressing you out right now. certainly isn't the game. It's the, uh, the pending storm that may hit Chicago? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I
1: got I to get to Pittsburgh tomorrow. All right. Um, so.
0: Dog sled an option or no? It no, it looks okay. good
1: right now. It looks like what could go wrong, <laughs> right? You, but if you've ever flo- if people have ever flown through Chicago, which most Ugh. have, the weather can be fine. And then by the time you get to the airport, it's crap wow. and <laughs> you're stuck. Yeah. yeah, so uh, right, yeah, man. trying to get out to Pittsburgh. So busy week in, in Chicago today, in Pittsburgh for Vancouver on Thursday, and nice. our first ABC game on Saturday afternoon, the Rangers in Washington, um, it's one o'clock Eastern on uh, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, you are busy. You talked about how busy this week was going to be, man. You're loaded for
1: Yeah. It's So what about you? Not easy week and then all of a no. sudden not easy
0: week. Yeah, not so easy anymore. No, no, no. Yeah, Tuesday we're recording here. Uh, we've got the Shocks and the Toronto Maple Leafs regionally tonight. And then perhaps the highlight of the week, I've been invited to guest with Jay Onright as part oh. of the aftermath. I don't know. He's always got shenanigans in play.
1: There's always. I saw something him the other, other day. He was yeah. going with the turtleneck.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. That I know. was it.
1: You please ask him about that.
0: I will. I will. I'm not. See, I'm not a turtleneck guy. I don't think I could pull it off. No, you, you need could. a tall, long
1: neck. And I yeah, really I, there's no way. I, I, me, I was, <laughs> that's not happening that for me. No chance. All
0: right. Well, I'll pass along your best wishes. In the meantime, please do. Safe travels.
1: Thanks. Thanks for
0: listening, everyone. We'll uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. You bet. Thanks to our sponsors who continue to support us here on Rain Dregs. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Tim Hortons. And yes, thank you for rating, for listening, for sharing, and for following us on the Rain Dregs YouTube channel as well. Until Thursday. Stay safe, everyone.